Good evening, church. Today's scripture reading is taken from Nehemiah 5, verses 14 to 19. Nehemiah 5, verses 14 to 19. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of Artaxerxes the king, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were, who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took from them for their daily rationed 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. I also persevered in the work on this wall, and we acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were at my table 150 men, Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. Now what was prepared at my expense for each day was one ox and six choice sheep and birds, and even and every 10 days all kinds of wine in abundance. Yet for all this, I did not demand the food allowance of the governor because the service was too heavy on this people. Remember for my good, O oh my God, all that I've done for this people. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The Gospel is taken from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 13, beginning at the first verse. Glory to Christ our Saviour. John's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 1 to verse 15. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a tower around his waist, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a tower that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, 
A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to Christ our Lord. Church, will you please be seated? Before I begin sharing the word, just one other important announcement for us to take note. Um, just to take note that uh, the All Saints Chinese congregation, they are having a mid-autumn festival at the end of our service. So please take note that at the end of our service, could we quickly vacate this uh, sanctuary? Uh, worship team, you may need to do your evaluation somewhere else because they need this place. Uh, we can still use the side hall, uh, but uh, they also need a side hall maybe about 7.30, all right? So please, at the end of the service, quickly vacate uh, the sanctuary. We can still gather for fellowship at the side hall, but we will need to vacate it by 7.30 later, all right? So with that, can I advise you to just bow our heads as we commit this time to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> so gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the example that you have given to us here, to your son Jesus, the importance of what it means to be a servant leader. So Father, we pray that, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, may we learn from the example of Jesus, from the example of Nehemiah, and the Holy Spirit, you just guide us to, to, to understand what it means to be a servant leader. So we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> you know, in our modern day of much public scandals in almost every area of our life, and especially in the political arena, where we see countries like Thailand and Myanmar going through a military coup and then refusing to release power, it is refreshing to come across a leader like Nehemiah who put serving the people ahead of getting personal gains for himself. And in the remaining of this chapter 5, we now get a better picture of this man of God doing just that. The next few verses that follows in which we'll be looking at emphasize his style of leadership as well as his generosity towards his fellow Jews. And so as we begin looking at this passage in verse 14, we find that by now Nehemiah has been appointed by the Persian king as the new governor of the province of Judah. Several years have passed on by since he first arrived in Jerusalem with the rebuilding project in mind. From serving as the royal cupbearer, we find that he was now assigned by King Artaxerxes to this new position as governor in Judah. And it is during this second term of 12 years, we discovered that he used his privileges to help the poor as well as the needy. Nehemiah was a leader, was one who exercised his authority not to promote himself, but his focus was solely on the welfare of those under his charge. 
In a way then, we can say that Nehemiah was what Jesus would come as a servant leader. And his example is truly one for us all as disciples to follow. So for today, let's just briefly look in details exactly what Nehemiah did, the acts of his servant leadership. And as you look with me through the passage today, you find that the very first thing that Nehemiah did in terms of his servant leadership was that he testified in verse 14 that he did not use the official expenses to account for his own household use. It was said here that neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. You know, like some of us here in high positions in our company, our position comes with certain consensus. But you find that Nehemiah, likewise, as government officials of the king, benefits were allotted to him. And in this case, he was allotted with special food. But notice here that he chose not to partake any of them. Why? Well, I believe the reason we have, as we have seen earlier in the previous chapter, is that simply this. His desire was one to be with his fellow countrymen. He wanted to connect with them. He wanted to be part of them. He wanted to be with them as they face much difficulties. Definitely, he could have demand on his privileges and rights. He could enjoy a sumptuous meal every day as well as live out a luxurious lifestyle. But Nehemiah insisted not. Instead, as a servant leader, we find that he displayed great humility. And this is a virtue that is very much lacking in the world today. So that's the first thing that Nehemiah did. He displayed humility. The second example in his servant leadership was in his care or in his helpfulness for the people in not exploiting them in any way. We move on to verse 15 where we are informed that the former governors who came before him, they had abused their power, they had abused their position for personal gains. It was further reported that they took bribes and they even laid further heavy burdens upon the people. And then continue on in verse 15, it was also recorded that the, their servants lorded over the Jews. Now contrast this to Nehemiah. Him being the new governor, he did none of these acts. Rather, he cared, he treated all of them fairly, and he treated them well. And really, you can find that the difference because of this care was due to one significant attitude of Nehemiah. And again, if you look with me to verse 15, you find that the answer is found there. Why he did this was simply because Nehemiah had the fear of God. Because he feared or he revered God, Nehemiah did not follow the example of his predecessor, but did what was pleasing, he did what was right in the sight of his God. And because he feared his God, Nehemiah did not abuse his position, nor did he attempt to pull rank. That's the second thing that Nehemiah displayed servanthood. As to the next example, it is found as we move on to the next verse in verse 16. But interestingly, we are told in this verse that it was said that I also persevered in the work on this wall. Now, did you hear that? Nehemiah said that I persevered in the work 
on this wall. In other words, Nehemiah was a hands-on person. He was a leader who was willing to get his hands dirty. Here was someone who would participate with the rest of his fellow Jews in the rebuilding project. He didn't come across as an arrogant leader who sits back and barks out orders, telling people what to do, you do this, you do that. No. We find that Nehemiah, by saying that he persevered with the work of the wall, simply tells us that he was one with his fellow Jews. He was one with the workers on the ground. If you see someone holding a shovel, he will be seen doing the same thing. If another person was carrying a heavy load, he would be there to assist. But again, as we all realize, worldly leadership is quite the opposite. Worldly leadership won't subscribe to this form of servant leadership that Jesus puts forth. Rather, worldly leadership would rather lord over their subjects. So you find that Nehemiah's motto was simply this, that I am among you as those who serves. You see, he chose to associate, he chose to connect himself with the people. Now, the application then for us is this. As leaders, what do we do? As members of the church here, what do we do when we see that chairs and tables need to be stacked? What do we do when we see the floors of the church need to be swept? What do we do when we see perhaps a litter being laid on the ground? What do we do? Do we expect the staff to do it? Do we call Alice? Sorry, no more Alice. Or do we take the initiative to do all these things? The responsibility is really up to us. As leaders, it is required of us to do this. Or is it our mentality is thinking to say that this is too demeaning? It's too demeaning for me to assist in such physical manner. <laughs> you know, at this point, I really want to thank those, you know, after service, in case you didn't realize, today we don't have the queue posts because of the Chinese they're using for their, for, for, for their particular event. But I personally want to thank those of us who at the end of the service, you know, you keep back the queue posts. But just to let you know, you know, before the service comes, we have to put up the queue posts. And it will be good if we have people who are willing to participate in doing this, in showing this servant leadership, in willing to commit to help in this area. So thank those of you who help at the end of the service in keeping the cupo. This is something that we must be doing. This is the example that Nehemiah said, and we should be doing so. So Nehemiah was a hands-on person. And then we continue on, we find that the fourth thing that shows evidence of Nehemiah's servant leadership was that he was wholehearted in his task. You find in verse 16 that his focus was solely on the rebuilding of the wall. We read here in verse 16 where he says that, I also persevered in the work of this wall and we acquired no land. Now, in other words, what this simply means was this, that Nehemiah did not sidetrack. You know, whereas the other governors, you know, they were busy uh, uh, getting gains for themselves. We are told that Nehemiah wasn't such a leader. He wasn't busy doing his own business or, to, or, or, or the concern was to increase his own personal wealth. 
Rather, he was only concerned for one thing and one thing only, and that was to ensure that the task of the rebuilding of the wall was completed. As a servant leader, he had no time for such activity, and he would not let all these things distract him or deviate him from what God had intended him to do. He had a single heart, a single mind for the work of God and for His glory. And again, the question, therefore, is for us. Are we single-mindedness enough? Do we have that same focus in our walk with the Lord? Or is our distraction somewhere else? Is the worldly influence distracting us from doing what God wants us to do? And truly, as we learn from the example here in Nehemiah, we truly need to be reminded that as Christians, our focus must always be what God wants us to do. And finally, we find that the final example of this man's servanthood is that we see that he was a man of great generosity. And I want you to observe his hospitality here. In verses 17 and 18, amazingly, we are told that he not only paid for his own food, but he shared what he had with others. Now, I want you to get this. Nehemiah here didn't just, you know, he wasn't just generous only for one time. You read in the verses here, you find that Nehemiah regularly fed well over 150 guests, and this includes residents and visitors from other nations. The, the, the passage here gives us a description of what he did. We are told that he provided for this guest a sumptuous meal. And this sumptuous meal consists of ox, sheep, birds, as well as all kinds of wine. And to top it up, he did not demand the food allowance, implying that all the expenses was bought solely by him. And as for providing for his own needs, we are even told that he made personal sacrifice out of his own pocket and not relied on the contribution of the people. This then was the generosity of Nehemiah. And truly, I want to also take this time, you know, I believe many of us in our church, we have many of us who have been generous. And I truly want to thank many of you, you know, many of you who... Who, who, who volunteered when we know that the church is in need of something, you, you contribute in many ways. And truly, I commend you for doing all of these things. For truly, we are doing this, when we do this, we are emulating what it means to be a servant leadership. And we need to do this. Again, because simply the Bible teaches us that one of the key requirements to be a leader in the church is that we are to be hospitable. In fact, if you look with me to the New Testament, on two particular occasions, Paul wrote, firstly in 1 Timothy verse 3 and 2, writing to Timothy, he says this, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, and then he says this, hospitable, able to teach. So a leader must be one who is hospitable who is generous, who is always willing to provide to meet the needs of people. And 
then to reinstate this emphasis again. This time he writes to another of his protege, another of his disciples in Titus chapter 1, verse 8. He tells Titus this, he says, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So there you go. A leader must be one who is generous, hospitable, must be willing to provide for those who are in need. So this was the five examples of how we can be a servant leader. And we find that as we end, this chapter close with a rather simple prayer that Nehemiah concluded. He says here in verse 19, Remember for my good, O my God, all that I've done for this people. Remember for my good, O my God, all that I've done for this people. And quite incredibly, you find that this is the fourth instance in our study of this man, Nehemiah, where we find that here is a man of God who prayed to God in every instance. Nehemiah was truly a man of prayer. But as we study closely this prayer, you know, some of you may say, but mm, this prayer maybe is not acceptable, you know. It sounds as though Nehemiah was trying to impress God with his good deeds. Remember for my good. You know, he's trying to tell God, God, you know, I did all these good things. Remember me, you know. And we can argue for this because didn't Jesus once against a religion that become a theater where duties are carried out just to impress others so that we can be rewarded in the form of human applause and admiration? Jesus didn't say that we shouldn't be doing all this. But again, if you look closely at the prayer of Nehemiah, you find that this prayer was... None of these things. Nehemiah's prayer was addressed to the God who can look into our hearts. We can pretend before the Almighty, for all our thoughts, our motives are like an open book before Him. The prayer of Nehemiah is thus a wonderful expression of our worship and our humility. Nehemiah, in saying, asking God to remember His good, he's not seeking praise. He's not seeking the reward from the people. His main intention here was only to please his God. You see, by asking the Lord to remember him, to remember his deeds, Nehemiah was simply reiterating that all he did was for God and for God's attention alone. And that if he were to get any reward, it would come from heaven rather than than from the world. Jesus said these well-known words in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, about servant leadership. He says that, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Then in John's Gospel, chapter 13, as read by Pastor Gilbert, our Lord didn't just give lip service. He didn't just tell us that He came to serve, but He demonstrated this. He demonstrated what this servant leadership is all about. How? By getting down on His knees to wash the feet of His disciples. And then He instruct them, as I do it, you follow also. 
John 13, verse 14, 15 says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I've done for you. So the question, therefore, for us is this. Have we obeyed this command and followed Jesus' example? Are we practicing this servant leadership? Based on today's passage, and it's a short passage because of the service that we are, because of the Chinese that's having their, their event, we can say that Nehemiah here was like, a, was like Christ who came not to be served, but to serve. How? He served the people in Jesus' servanthood style of leadership. He was humble, and despite of his position as governor, he did not seek privilege or benefits for his personal gain. That's the first thing. He was helpful. He was caring for the people by not exploiting them or abusing his power. Rather, we find that Nehemiah chose to associate himself with his fellow countrymen to show that he was one with them by being hands-on. He was also focused on his tasks in his wholehearted commitment. And finally, he was hospitable and he served generously. Out from his own pocket, he provided for his guests. So today, as we close, may we learn from the example of Nehemiah's servanthood that as we continue to serve him, let's put this into practice. Just as Jesus tells us, we should do this as an example, let's practice this servanthood in this five particular area. Let us pray. Father, this evening as we are reminded of what Nehemiah has done, thank you, Lord, for showing us what it means to be a servant leader, to really take up the cross, to really take up the tower, to wash the feet of one another, to do the things that others do not want to do. So, Father, this evening as we have learned from this example, we pray, Lord, that you help us to be like a servant that, Lord, we'll be able to obey your commandment, to be pleasing to you. So, Lord, as we commit ourselves to you once again, we pray, Lord, that you help us to be a servant leader. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. Amen.